It's 4 o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means. Yes, sirree, Bob. It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Oh, where's the audience? There they are. This week, starring special guest star, Mr. Aaron Davis. Yeah, baby. Woo! And I've blown up my meters. Thank you, fake band. Thank you, fake audience. Welcome to the big show, Mr. Davis. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm, um... We were riffing just before the show started. I'm really excited to be here. I, he I watched it, and I and I That's... I've been moving and shaking and dancing around the office. So I, uh, yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, my pleasure. Well, okay. Where is my chat room? There they are. Okay. Got to get the chat room open. Say hello to our our people. There they are. Okay. Uh, it looks awfully. Yeah, that's the right one. Okay. Hi, guys. <laughs> hey, Jesse. Um, yeah, and please, by the way, I'm going to be talking about quite a few things here, and uh, and some of it might be confusing and some of it might not be, but any and all questions, feel free to zap them over after the show. We've got some handouts and some downloads and a bunch of other stuff that might be interesting, so feel free to ask away or um, and, um, yeah, keep, you know, keep it coming. So... We are going to tackle today a really complex subject, but before we do, I want to do a little housekeeping, which is number one, <laughs> subscribe to the channel. If you don't already subscribe, then how the heck would you know we've got a really cool show coming up? So subscribe. Down in the lower right-hand corner of your screen is a little taxi cab with that dude under it. Click that sucker. And YouTube loves it when you like us. So like us so YouTube loves us, okay? And it'll move us up in their rankings and more people will see the show. We'll become really popular. I'm going to buy a private jet. Go to an island somewhere and you guys will never hear from me again. Not true. <laughs> <laughs> and what else am I supposed to remind you about? Oh, I want to tell you at the top of the show. Next week, we're going to do something we've never done before. And this was inspired. I think you guys know that. There's a guy I watch on uh, YouTube called Casey Neistat. He does a thing called Mail Time. Uh, and he just opens up stuff that people send him. Back when I used to write a column for Recording Magazine, like 20-some years ago, um, people would send, I did the Reader's Tapes column, and people would send the weirdest things in with their cassettes and CDs. So, I want you to send stuff that I can open up on the air, nothing pornographic, please, uh, and, and send it <laughs> that to... That means they're absolutely going to send you pornographic things. You oh, know that, pe right? people, and they should. Yeah, well, people <laughs> happy for it. Let's just say there were undergarments in with the CDs. Oh, from time, heavens. Yes, there That's were. That's good. That's good. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> send your stuff to Michael Lasco, Care of Taxi. Get ready to write this down. 5010 North Parkway, Calabasas, C-A-L-A-B-A-S-A-S. -A -A so 5010 North Parkway, Calabasas, Suite 200, Calabasas, California, 91302. Send me music. Send me weird stuff. Send me anything you want because I'm going to open it on the air next week. We're going to do a fun show. Really fun. Um, and if it's not fun, it'll be embarrassing. You know how I'd love to be embarrassed. So I got that covered, got that covered. Okay, so last on last week's show, we had the lovely Erin Jacobson. She's a music attorney. And uh, she was telling us about how people could um, do their digital rights, manage their, 
manage their stuff online to make sure that they got paid when their music is used online. And she mentioned a company called Exploration. And then uh, this nice gentleman, Mr. Aaron Davis on my right, uh, made a comment on our YouTube channel and he and I uh, ended up on the phone together for a while and we hit it off and I said, you know what, why don't you come over and do the show? So we are going to give you guys the keys to the kingdom today and tell you how you can get paid for having your music online. So, um, pretend you're talking to a dummy. I actually ordered, I would prove this to you guys, but I don't want to switch any screens right now. I ordered a dunce cap, but it didn't get here. For <laughs> it will be here instead on Wednesday or Tuesday, tomorrow. But explain it to me like you're talking to a dummy, because you are. And, sure. and, and tell me and them what it is you guys do and how you benefit them. Sure, sure. So uh, again, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Uh, all the credit to Aaron Jacobson. If you are thinking about uh, finding an attorney or seeking somebody out, you could not be in better hands. Uh, and she's just a lovely person all the way around. So all the credit to her. Um, the um, What do we do? Exploration.io. Our website is exploration.io. Uh, and we are a media management company. We sort of cut our teeth started uh, with um, the management of, um, of uh, publishing assets, um, and I'm going to talk a little bit about how we got to that, and we've since moved on to, to label management, and we've done a little bit of work in film, but our core competency continues to be um, publishing and, and label services, and um, so the way we started, and, and by the way, we, we, our tagline is control your data, collect your money, because that in, makes sense. in today's world, if your data isn't organized, isn't clean in a way that can be read, if you will, by these networks that want to pay you the money, then they can't pay it. And, and they that, don't have some bespectacled little dude with his sleeves rolled up mm, and little thing on his head, little, you know, uh, like accounting thing. It's a bot. And right. So you need to organize your stuff for the bot. That's right. So, so it, it, I always, I, I like to speak to the idea that when one of the first things that we do when we sign someone is say deliver to us your catalog give it to us any way you have it we have what we call sort of like a, a concierge service where we'll help one organize it and collect it and get it ready and to give to us but when we first started it was just you know get us your catalog however you've got it and we would get it as a maestro export or a csv file and so if some of this doesn't make sense that's fine or we'd even get a photograph of notebook paper, mm -hmm. right? Of these are my songs or a CD jacket. And you kind of have to scratch your head and say, you know, is it any wonder <laughs> you're not that, that you're not getting paid by a company in Sweden if the only record of your assets is a photograph of notebook paper? So um, when we say that we're a media management company, um, really what we're, what we're, what that encapsulates is that we are going to help one organize their data in a language that is understood by the networks that need to pay, and then we're going to go and collect the money. Okay. So the next question I've got is, there are all these different things that musicians need to know about in this modern era of music being on the internet. And, you know, of course, we've got the old standbys, ASCAP, BMI, CSAC. Um, those are performing rights organizations. Uh, and so many people I know still say, oh, yeah, I just got a publishing deal with ASCAP. No, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, they signed me. 
not really. Kind of. <laughs> you may have signed something. something. <laughs> they didn't sign you like, right. you're good enough that we want you. Right. Um, and then there's the Harry Fox Agency, and then there's Sound Exchange. So, okay, you know, all these different things. And even I, the guy who ordered the dunce cap, don't really understand. Once you get past ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, um, and the Harry Fox Agency. I don't understand who does what anymore. So, can you give us like a, a little bullet point list of who does what? Sure. And so, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be towing the line on my on my expertise. Um, uh, and for what it's worth, my business partner Renee Meredith, who's been working in publishing for um, for quite some time, she's you know, the brain, <laughs> she, the she, she's, she's definitely the brain. She keeps everybody in check. So, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna speak to a few of these pieces. And by the way, if, if if somebody has uh, a question about a particular one of these networks or, or organizations that I'm going to speak to now, feel free to put it in the comments. But um, <laughs> we'll just ignore it. For now. <laughs> uh, our our expertise is YouTube, um, and so and so. How do we want to go through? How do we want to? Well, do let, let's see. You've got Harry Fox. Uh, okay, here, so I, I, I can do the lead up. ASCAP, okay. BMI, and CSAC collect your money when you're the songwriter or a composer and your material is played on a TV show, or it's played on a radio station, or it's played in a stadium, or a restaurant, or even music on hold, they collect money for the songwriter, if you will. Harry Fox... And, and, and publisher. And publisher, that's, that's right. true. For public performance, so PRO, uh, Performing Rights, rights Organization, organization that's right. of, of the song. Right. Now, there's always, there's the master, and there's the copyright. So the song is the copyright. The master is the master recording, and that's where Harry Fox comes in. So every time somebody smashes out a vinyl disc, or makes a CD, or puts it on an 8-track tape, any, you know, for those of us who are older, uh, that is applying the music to a fixed medium, and that is where Harry Fox collects money, at like .978 cents per whatever. Um, per unit, right? It's hard to know. Hard, hard, it, well, it, 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 it like a lot of things, it depends. So, um, one thing that did get left out of the performing rights organizations are that it, with respect to YouTube, foreign. Well, that's where I was going for, to you. Yeah, foreign, foreign. So, in the United oh, States, yeah. in the United States, um, YouTube pays. It, 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 the payments or royalties from YouTube are split at source. In other words, the master rights holder is going to pay what they're owed, and the publishing is going to be paid what they're owed, and it's going to be bifurcated. It's going to be two separate payments. Okay. In the olden days, I told you not to bring up sex stuff on the show. It's a family show. So, 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 so in the olden days, if one, if a record was sold, the the record label would collect that money from the sale and then account and pay to the publisher. For the, and that's the mechanical. That, that's the mechanical. That's right. But YouTube pays its source, so they're paying both the record label and the publisher independent, right? Of each other. Okay. So, so your song gets played on YouTube, and they send a check here, and they send a check there. That's right. And, and if you're tips. both of the, if you're both of those people, you're going to get them both. But it, uh, on that particular network. It is, um, it, it is, it is bifurcated. It, it is. There are two separate payments. But so bifurcated means uh, two, a two. check for this and check for that, both coming to moi. Right. Okay. Right. So, um, with respect to the performing rights organizations, this is an important point. So, in the United States, on publishing, publishers have an opportunity to go direct. Um, 
or go through a company like Exploration. And we have competitors and there's a lot of folks out there that are helping in this regard. Um, but you can go, you can either form a direct relationship with, with YouTube through, uh, through either your own company or a CD Baby or a TuneCore or an Exploration or a variety of other companies that might help. That's domestic. For the rest of the world, all other territories where publishing is being collected are paid, the performance and the mechanical are paid through that local PRO, then to the domestic PRO, back to you. So, okay, so if I'm American and my YouTube video, or a YouTube video with my music plays in Paris, which that's, is in France. That's right. Then, then Sassem. That's right. So Google is going to pay Sassem, and Sassem is going to pay ASCAP, and ASCAP is going to pay you. I'm going to wait for a really oh, long time for that money. That's right. You really are. And and um, and so it's, it's it's critical that, and I'm going to talk a little bit about metadata, which metadata is, is, is so important or the most important in just a moment. But the ISWC, mm-hmm. the International Songworks Code, is critical on YouTube for this specific purpose. Is that the same as the code that goes on the barcode thing on the outside of your CD? No. That's an ISRC, that, right? Or something well, like that. that's a UPC, so mm-hmm. Universal right. Parcel Code, I believe, or Product Code. Okay. And then you have, for the um, for the sound recording, it's an ISRC, so International Sound Recording Code. So I'm going to write these down. I'm going to I'm going to prepare a, a little a little uh, cheat sheet. I, what did I say? ISWC yeah. and then ISRC. I'm going to put these together after the. So while we're talking about codes, why don't we? Would it be helpful if? Um, would it be helpful if we went through all of the various pieces of metadata now, or I know well, we're kind of jumping around, or should we continue? No, to let, get in the let's list? let's stay on the. People don't know where to turn for what anymore because uh, it's the wild, wild west out there and everything is discombobulated and they that's don't right. know, do I have this kind of code and that kind of code or is it the same thing that's on the back of my CD and why do I reach out to this company for that and that company for this? So you guys collect the money when the music is played on YouTube. Anywhere else? We do a, a variety of places. Okay, I, I, I do. SoundCloud I think was one of them, Yes, right? that's correct. Um, what about Spotify? Uh, not directly, no. Okay. Not yet. So title, uh, yes. Title what? Title, yes. Oh, we title. Do direct deal with title. Gotcha. I thought. And, you meant, and, like, and, and for yeah. what it's worth, it speaking to um, what each of these organizations that you were saying, which each of these organizations, who who does what? So on the master side, through a company like TuneCore or CD Baby, which are the two big ones, and then uh, DistroKid is. is is um, is is making tremendous waves. Uh, those are for the masters primarily. Okay. That's digital distribution of the actual audio, the master recording, the sound recording. Mm-hmm. Right. So I sign up. I wake up tomorrow morning. I finish my record, and I'm putting it on CD Baby, and they're getting it out to hundreds of different places. That's right. Okay. That's right. And 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 the the royalties that come from that primarily are the master. Or the master royalties. Okay. Okay. On the publishing side of things, for if there is something tangible, so to speak, to the things that what we were looking at just a moment ago, or, or what we were discussing a moment ago about Harry Fox or for mechanicals, a mechanical license is any license that is a is a 
publishing license that can that is associated with a sound recording. I mean, I mean a tangible product. So anytime there is a uh, a record, sheet music, CD, cassette, now download those constitute mechanical licenses, and that okay. is that is paid through Harry Fox primarily. Okay. Okay. The big competitor to Harry Fox is Music Reports. Right. And 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 Music Reports is right here in Calabasas, um, and they work for they they administer on behalf of uh, SoundCloud and all of your most of your ringtones and telecom companies um, and a variety of smaller networks. Harry Fox does uh, iTunes. And Spotify and some of the bigger networks. How do you already. remember all this? That's what I'm trying to accomplish for these guys today. Is it's complicated? It is extremely complicated. It's extremely complicated. I think that the way, the, you know, when someone says, you know, I, I've got, there's so many places to send it. What do I do? The first thing that I come back to is the the starting point, and this is the way we start with. I mean, I feel like I'm confused, and I'm the one that's talking about it, and we're just Dang. getting started, right? So the way I the way I that I like to explain it is that it it pays to go back to the beginning and make sure your own house is in order first. And that would be the metadata. That would be your metadata. Okay. To make sure that if you're at a cocktail party and someone says, "Hey man, I really love that track you were just playing. Can you get it to me? I got a commercial. I got to have the ISRC and the ISWC in the track and I need it right now." And if you can't deliver that in an efficient way, you're going to lose because he doesn't have time, yeah. right? If Spotify and Harry Fox and ASCAP and MRI, all these various places around the world, foreign PROs, record labels, film and TV, all these various places don't have an, a clean and organized copy of your metadata, you're not going to get paid. Okay, so let's go. Period. Let's go to the root of the potato, as it were, uh, the metadata, and let's talk about. What are the things that need absolutely need to be in it? Your 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 minimum viable data, as okay. it were, right? Minimum viable. The minimum viable data, the minimum amount of data that you need to have in order to go out there and for the bot your, to go. Oh, hello! I know who right. that is. That's what right. it's for, and I'm going to send you money. That's right. So okay. the first thing is the title. Okay. Right. Makes sense. And exactly the right title. Exactly the right title, and and also your also known as okay right so a wonderful world a wonderful world also those uh, those aka's are important aren't the aka's gonna let's say that uh, somebody else has a variant that's the same i guess the other things line up that's right okay. the other things the other things and it's an important part of this whole thing is called a primary key and i'm going to come back to that in just a second so the it's really hard, right? You know, and, and, and by the way, this is there's a, there's some density here in what we're talking about, but I'm going to put together a little cheat sheet that's going to lay it out and it's going to help explain some of this stuff. All right. So, the first thing is the title. The second thing are the uh, the writers and the artists. And don't leave anybody off. And don't leave anybody off. Also, what their splits are. Okay. Right. Um, your ISWC. For the for the composition, the ISRC for the sound recording, the HFA code, which is the Harry Fox code, um, which is going to link those two together, and then on the publishing, if you're a songwriter and you are you're collecting your money 
on you're only the songwriter and somebody else is interpreting your songs and covering them and singing them and, and what have you you need to get the related ISRC information which master uh, recordings is my song embedded in okay right title writers artist ISRC ISWC HFA code okay that's it uh, in splits yeah that's, that's it a, okay um, and you need that in a spreadsheet you can use Excel you can use Google Sheets that's free we've got a template that we can give you that you can just fill in the blanks but you need that information in order for you to do your job here's as, what's, as here's a working what's musician Go back in the day taxi would get 10 mail bins every Monday morning those big white plastic mail bins from the post office mm -hmm. filled to the brim each one of them with uh, padded envelopes with CDs and cassettes in there and we had a taxi submission form with your member number and your name already filled out a barcode that we could swipe when it came here and right. we would ask people we even gave them a little pen and ink drawing of here's a CD or here's a cassette and we want you to wrap this around it with the information on the outside and then put a rubber band around it then stuff it in the padded envelope staple that sucker put a stamp on it send it to taxi 99% of those came in with the information on the inside so we had somebody who got paid $35,000 a year to do nothing but sit in a room all day every day opening up what we called burritos that look like this I mean wrap a piece of paper around a cassette and then put a rubber band around it but we wanted the information on the outside so that we could see this was Mary Had a Little Lamb by John Doe that's right nobody got that right so if they couldn't get that right I'm afraid that getting all this stuff right well, I so think that tell me about I, the concierge I, aspect well I, I mean exploration does that you, you, you may not need a company like ours right so we are typically called upon when an artist or a writer is experiencing their music being shared and played and covered around the web okay. not necessarily for somebody that's just starting we don't discriminate based on size of the catalog or popularity or anything like that but what I like to tell folks is that you you, you, you may not need us right okay, it's too early. It, 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 too early the other thing is is if you have a provider that is that you trust and that is doing a good job for God's sakes don't sneeze wrong and you're getting paid don't move a muscle Okay. Right? You don't need to switch to us, just the latest and greatest, right? So um, we provide what we call our concierge, where we're going to help and compile this stuff and, and, and go and research it. But um, the main thing is, is, is fill out this spreadsheet to the best of your ability, getting the basics down. So your title and your – if you don't know the titles of your songs, I think you're in trouble. But the title and the writers and the artists. And then – Two, uh, one of the other points, we get asked quite often, what do we, how do we change providers? We want to come over to you at Exploration, or we're not happy with our current, and we want to go over here. The, the first step to that idea is, how do I change providers, is calling up your current ones and getting a confirmation of what you got. Okay. So I've got my catalog. I've written down my titles, my, the, the writers, the artists. Maybe I don't have these codes, but those codes are gold, right? So I'm. Where gonna, did they get the codes in the first place? So the ISRCs are issued. What is the name of the company that issues ISRCs? I do not know. And is there a fee to get one? Do you know? I, I, no, they should be. They anytime you make a, a commercial uh, distribution, CD Baby or TuneCore or these companies, Exploration, they're going to assign you one. So, and then ISWCs are issued by ASCAP. 
So do I have to worry that uh, I'm a big hit songwriter, and do I have to worry that somebody's going to pick up the phone and call you guys or another entity and say, hey, I wrote this song, and get an ISRC, or this is my recording of this song. Uh, what do you have to do to prove that it is that you have ownership in order to get the ISRC? Uh, that's a good question. Not much. <laughs> you okay, don't have so to that Beyonce hit is mine. It's all mine. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I, when things go into conflict, uh, the the money stops to flow. Okay, so people naturally want to resolve it. As they naturally as want to resolve it as quickly as possible, and then it depends on how many layers you go to find out. You know, first it's maybe. Do you have the split sheets or, you know, was there a, an agreement between you two and you're sitting across the table and then maybe it's a copyright registration and then it's a, you know, who 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 wow. issued this first and, and it's layers upon layers. And then, you know, as as Pharrell and and um, and and company found out that yeah. it ultimately in front of a judge, you're there, you know, they're going to weigh in. Yeah. Wow. So, so back to the back yeah. to the story. How do we? How do we, How does one organize their metadata? The first thing is start with exactly what you know, your titles, your writers, your artists, and then connect with those folks that you've distributed on and that you've worked with in the past. Whether it's your publisher or it's ASCAP, BMI, or CSAG, or it's TuneCore, or DistroKid, or whatever the case may be, and say, "Hey, can you confirm these?" I'm trying to do some deals and I want to make sure that you got everything and I just I just want to as my granddad used to say I want to inspect what I expect so I'm, okay. I, I just want to I want to know what are the codes that identify my songs maybe it's on your royalty receipt your, your, your report or your accounting mm-hmm. you know be a good place to look okay so they go get all that stuff and now they sign up with you guys and they use you have a template i remember seeing that on your site so they fill out your template and they send it to you and then what's the next thing that happens for them for them a lot of their work at that point is over i mean what our company does and what a lot of companies like ours do is we'll take that catalog metadata and then for youtube for instance we're going to ingest that that metadata into youtube with those ISRCs and the ISWCs and the HFA codes, a lot of that information is already on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And once a, a YouTube partner applies our metadata to those assets in that ecosystem, it immediately is going to give me or, or grant me ownership claim of that particular asset. I know that exists because... Here's a great example. Um, I do an episode of Taxi TV, and I have somebody come on, and they play me a 90-second instrumental cue, and they license that. uh, They signed with a a publisher, a music library, two years ago. The music library must be working with you or some entity, and that data has been ingested into YouTube because I get notification, you've got copyrighted material on your show, and that allows them to monetize that vis-a-vis advertising, which shows up on our thing. Or if they want to get nasty about it, they can do what's called a strike and and mute the show. That's right. So it sounds like what you do is very usable by publishers, certainly. And if I were a taxi member that had 100, 200, 500, 1,000, 2,000, pieces of music out there in all kinds of different catalogs and 
the publishers typically get 100% of the publishing, but I'm the writer and I've got 100% of the writer share. Do I still want to use you guys to and get that metadata to you to make sure that I'm getting paid my half? Sure. Well, for for a writer, it, for a writer, you would want to be working through your publisher. Okay. Right. So we don't pay writers directly. We pay publishers, and then publishers are obligated to pay their writers. However, per the comment before. ASCAP, BMI, and CSAC use the, the data and the royalty and the viewership and all of that information that we partners and you and Tactic and everybody else are putting into YouTube. They're, ASCAP doesn't have a, a team like we do in their claiming videos all day, mm -hmm. right? They're not cleaning up your day. I mean, they are. They're, they're doing amazing things. ASCAP is an unbelievable organization and have... And uh, the task that they have is, in, you know, is amazing. But <laughs> amazingly I, big. Yeah, it's 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 incredible the amount of work that they do. But they rely on the information that we collectively provide to YouTube, mm -hmm. to Spotify, to Harry Fox, to then compile and pay your royalties. They also rely on that data from the when your music got played in France, okay. and Sesame needs to send it over. So a writer doesn't necessarily need to give us their metadata, but their publisher certainly does. Okay. Uh, so is your company something that's not necessary uh, for a typical taxi member that's a composer that's got several hundred cues out there? Sure. I mean, we would, I mean, we would love to or, or work do, with any and all, you know, musicians and, and writers um, out there. Um, can they benefit by giving you the data that you want, the metadata that you want? Sure, in the absolutely. Form, and then they hand it off. There's an insect that just flew by. <laughs> uh, they hand it off to their publisher and say, hey, I want to make sure you guys are doing this so we both get paid? Well, no, a, a writer wouldn't call it. We don't sign writers, per se. Only right, no, but would they want to pressure their publisher sure. to make sure the publisher absolutely. Does because, look, I, I have conversations with music library owners that tell me how incredibly overwhelmed they are no, absolutely. by all the businessy back end. What they're good at is finding music and pitching music, and everything else is a big pain in the butt for them. That we are very good at. Okay, so it would be good for these guys to know what you're talking about so that they can contact their publishers and say, I just want to make sure that we're doing absolutely. this. Absolutely. You're doing this because we're both going to benefit. That's right. And they need to provide the information, although the publisher is going to ask them, if, if my cue, Merzy Dotes and Dozy Dotes, uh, goes into XYZ Production Music Library and is going to end up on ABC or CNN or wherever, um, the publisher is going to ask me for the splits and the proper spellings on the names. Uh, is the publisher going to reach out and get the ISRC and the ISWC? Uh, we typically are going to find, we are typically go out and find that information. Okay. We are, we like to call it black card service where you really, we're going to do that work. We understand, you know, Renee, especially having worked in the business on the publishing side for as long as she has and understands the struggles that, that publishers face, especially publishers, um, that a lot of that back-end stuff is just not what they're good at or what they're interested in and, frankly, aren't um, equipped mm -hmm. to do. I, you know, it, when you're, you know, I don't know if you've, if you've seen some of these royalty statements 
when you're thinking about micro pennies and it's 24 7 and it's every territory in the world you're looking at spreadsheets that some computers can't even open and, right and you're just hoping that 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 stuff makes it to the spreadsheet right so it, it in order to effectively manage that sort of thing you need software engineers yeah most production libraries or composers don't employ full-time software engineers. Ironically, several of the libraries I know are owned, small libraries, usually one or two person companies, are owned by software engineers that really loved music, cool. decided that they were gonna ditch the software engineering side, go for the music thing. They became successful enough and had enough contacts that they then built their own library. That's and now, now they're getting music, filtering it. Um, I know this because they get it from Taxi and then they pitch it to the TV shows and That's films. Right. And you're absolutely right because they're so busy doing the finding and the pitching that sure. they don't have the time to do what sure. you're talking about, even though they are software engineers. Right. right. You're a software engineer, right? I can. I I like to say that I'm I'm uh, I'm good enough at programming software to ruin a really great piece of software. Okay. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> uh, that, I I can, but that is not my expertise. So you can look at somebody's code and go, ah. Oh. That looks great, or that doesn't. Sure. Okay. Got it. Yeah, I spent a chunk of my weekend checking out IFTTT. If if this and that, right? Very cool. Why am I checking out IFTTT, commonly known as? Um, <laughs> because I've got a, an Amazon Echo Dot, and I want to program it so that when my wife walks in the room and she says, "Alexa, what's the temperature going to be tomorrow?" It says, "Deb, you look better than ever." <laughs> That's great. So, that's great, and you're smart. You're smart. So, so if because this, I'm appeasing my wife or complimenting my wife, that's or because right. Because I want to use the IFTTT. To both, work. both. So if this, then that. So in software engineering, <laughs> for what it's worth, a lot of what is done with software engineering is it's not as complicated as some might make it out to believe. It's really just logic. So the, the if this, then that paradigm is used quite often in software engineering to say if you click this button then this happens yeah. and so this sort of connector of different pieces on the web uh, says okay if I upload a picture to Instagram then save it to my Dropbox if I ask the weather say how lovely you are mm -hmm. that sort of thing and so it's a it's a it's a it's a good tool it's a good tool well, I spent some time trying to understand it, and I came to the conclusion that I'm the tool. <laughs> That's where I went with it. Wow. Okay, um, uh, Colin, you you don't. Yes, you do need to know your ISRC. If you're a songwriter, Colin, I'm just I just glanced up. If you're a songwriter, you don't. There isn't an ISRC for your composition, but there's a related ISRC. There's a there's a comp, there there is a song out there that contains. Or has embedded in your composition. Uh, I hope that makes. I hope that makes sense. Um, so um, it looks like we got some. You said some questions usually near the end. Okay, so Toonsmith is helping us out and kind of moderate a little bit. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, do, do we have more stuff to explain to them before we open? Because. What I'm really trying to do is be pretty linear so that they go, okay, now I understand it well enough to ask the questions. Um, uh, 
I'm trying to see if there's anything I had on my list that I don't think that. Uh, you know, I oftentimes say that panel. You know, my ideas of what I think is so important usually is wrong, and so I, I should do. Anytime I'm doing speaking engagements, I should make it a hundred percent Q and A. Oh, uh, <laughs> then you tend to bounce around a lot, uh, yeah. also. But one other thing I do want to cover before we go to the Q and A is talk about the deal, the settlement that happened with the NMPA, National Music Publishers Association, uh, and David Israelite heads that up, and I've never heard anything but great stuff about that man. So what did he pull off that helps these guys? Sure. So uh, that entire staff over the NMPA, David Israelite, um, Danielle, the the entire group at that office, are um, they're brilliant. Mm-hmm. And they're calculated, and I believe that they work with uh, with songwriters in in, in in the forefront of their minds. So uh, all the credit to them. So they, they they came to a settlement with YouTube, right? They did. They they via the NMPA on behalf of the NMPA, they negotiated a settlement with YouTube over the next three years to pay forty million, 40 million bucks for titles that had been played. So that they basically said, "Hey, look, you know, you've got all these these videos that are playing." And you've done these deals with the record labels, and the record labels are being play, paid, but we're not. Mm-hmm. Pay up. Okay. And said, based upon these, this body of work that has been played X number of times, this is what we're owed. So it's retroactive. Right. Okay. This is, this is, these are for videos that have played in the past. Right. Right. Okay, so let's say one of our taxi members um, gets his or her piece of music into a production music library. That library pitches it for a Chanel commercial. And it's been playing for four years. Um, And the library doesn't know that they should have the data that you're talking about uh, available or fed into YouTube. So they've never collected any of that money that could have been, does that settlement that the NMPA made with YouTube get them paid for retroactive stuff as well? Potentially. It depends. One thing that you mentioned, and I know this is going to be a common sort of occurrence or or a way that taxi members are going to be working with YouTube or any medium for that matter, is that when you pitch a particular title to a show, CBS, the NBA, what have you, what licenses are you pitching? What uses are you pitching? A lot of times nowadays, they're going to circle up everything. And so if they license it from you, they're going to have the ability to put it on YouTube and do whatever they want to with it. Monetize it, not monetize it, what have you. They now have the rights. So you, the songwriter, get screwed. Maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's what it is. But it, it, or, or, did you, or did you license it? Knowing, I think if you licensed it not knowing that, then yeah, you'd be getting screwed. But if you licensed it saying, okay, NBA, I want you to play my song at halftime, yeah, you can put it anywhere you want. Then no, I'm not getting screwed. And basically, if you don't give them a quick yes or no on that, they're not going to use it. They're going to move on to something else anyway. It's not like you've got the negotiation of a lifetime here. So, the with regard to the settlement. The, they, the, the, this, the settlement, they, they've given a data file, a great big data file, where publishers are obligated to identify unclaimed works. Okay. Right? And that is coming to YouTube partners. So you need to ask your publisher or your YouTube administrator. Uh, I do not believe, well, I have no idea about whether or not 
CD Baby and TuneCore making that available for people to, pending an unmatched, some people might be familiar with from other settlements that have occurred in the past. Mm -hmm. But it's a great big data file. One is obligated to go through it, identify those titles that are theirs, apply their metadata, and then YouTube is going to pay out. For those that don't, it goes on market share. It goes where? On it, they're they're using market share to calculate it. So, is it the songwriter or composer's obligation to make sure that that? It's the publishers. To, okay, so they need to push their publisher, make sure the publisher is. I'm trying to couch everything for these guys. What is it that they need to know? Right, what is it they need to do. So they need to make sure that their publishers are taking care of this stuff. Absolutely. And, and then, and, 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 and I'm and I'm glad, and I, we're aware of the fact that there's a lot of writers here. Yeah. The point is, is that um, exploration, YouTube, it, it, we don't engage with writers we engage with publishers so a lot of people if you're an independent you might be your own publisher right and so then we, that's the sort of the the uh the pretext under which we engage okay um and, and many of them are uh what about here now it gets really tricky um i write a song and i am the publisher because i haven't signed those assigned those rights to any other catalog or Good publisher um but now I do a non-exclusive deal where I give it to a non-exclusive library and let them run it around. Technically, not technically, I am still the publisher of the original title because the non-exclusive publisher has retitled it. So can I go to Exploration as the publisher of my 127 track or song catalog and give that to you? How is that affected by the fact that I frequently do deals with non-exclusive publishers and they're going to retitle Mary Had a Little Lamb to Mary Had a Very Small Sheep. Right. So that's fine. But what you want to do is on YouTube, you want to, you do not want to enable content ID to automatically claim. What you may opt to do instead is to claim with review. Wow. Or not claim at all. So you tell can, them what content ID. Is. Yeah. So 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 content ID is the digital fingerprinting back end of YouTube. If you've ever gotten a copyright strike, what he was mentioning earlier, where he uploaded a piece of music and YouTube system immediately says, "Hey, this is somebody else's." That's because somebody else uploaded that title. It created a digital fingerprint on the back end of YouTube, and then anytime somebody uploads something that's identical, it says, "Hey, wait a second, that's Bill's." You can't do that. Yeah. So, back to the story. If you've done a deal where it's a non-exclusive or non-exclusive to somebody else, you've got royalty-free stuff that you're selling, what have you. It's still fine for you to put your stuff on YouTube. You just don't want to be claiming somebody else's automatically because other people may have your music non-exclusively. Or, but how does how does it know? Because this is one of the potential pitfalls uh, of doing well, we, what we do. Is the audio fingerprint's going to be the same on both? Right, well, of course. What we do is we just we put it to a queue, so it requires a human to review it and to make us aware before we claim it. Does that make sense? No. Okay. So, so <laughs> damn, I wish I had those cap and shown up. So, so if if. We're going to put it to a key. So if YouTube system claims that song and says, hey, this is Michael's song, 
we're going to, a human is going to look at it and we're going to say, hey, did you give a license to this fellow over here? Under a different. Under, or, or did you do a deal with him or a, a non-exclusive? Uh, is he authorized to use your music? And you're going to say yes or no. And then so let's assume that he is for the, this line of thinking. He's authorized to use it, but under a different title. Same then, master. Then I'm gonna then I'm gonna remove the claim. I'm probably also gonna whitelist his channel so that it doesn't claim it again. Okay. So that's actually a good thing because a lot of people are trepidatious about doing um, non-exclusive deals with libraries because they're worried about this kind of stuff. So that's cool that you can whitelist somebody's channel. Absolutely. Um, and knowing that the non-exclusive version may show up there. And, th and this is an important this is an important point. And this makes your publisher's job a lot easier. Also your administrator or somebody like our, our company is is letting them know that you've done a licensing deal. Mm -hmm. If you've done a big licensing deal with a with a a film or a a commercial that's going to be coming out or something to let them know, let those folks know that might be impacted, so that it's not just a hairball when it when it when it blows up, is really important. Now, it, 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 we almost got in trouble. So, Friday, seven o'clock Pacific time, we get a potential claim in the queue. This is Friday before Super Bowl. Okay. We get a potential claim, and we we claimed it, right? And then the, the other party on the other side said, hey, you know, this is a commercial. I know this is licensed. We have a great relationship with the record label. And I'm like, well, we're the publisher, man. I don't know who you are or what you are or anything about you. And we and had, you're not actually the publisher. You're representing. We were representing the publisher. That's okay. right. But, yeah. you know, and, and we, had to, um, we had to work through it through the weekend. So that got, so it was able to go live on the Super Bowl big money was being spent they had all these tie-ins from all these different places and had our client and had they had wow. we been able to connect the dots a little bit sooner say hey we licensed this thing for big money it would have it would have been an asset so word to the wise if you do something that's important that you think is going to get a little bit of traction drop somebody an email and say hey this thing is going to drop. Can you take care of it? Can you whitelist it? Just want to put a little bug in your ear that's coming down the pipe. So what would have been the disaster if this thing had aired during the Super Bowl and you guys hadn't gotten the flag on it and known that... I don't even understand what it is you did. Well, we claimed it and we... we for the publisher. For, for the publisher and said, we're going to put ads on this thing. We're going to monetize it to our benefit because we don't know who you are and we don't really oh. because we don't know who you are and it was it was a commercial right it was a commercial that was going to air during the super bowl and go on youtube and go on youtube and go over here and over there and they had all these tie-ins and go to the link and there's a contest and all this different stuff right and so if that commercial had had our ads playing on it that would have been a faux pas potentially even blocking it completely had only on YouTube though, not only on, on you, only not on, on TV. That's right. But they're, they're, the the money that they spent for a Super Bowl ad tied into the YouTube. Right. It had links and visit YouTube for more. So and the ad other. agency and the brand would have been really ticked off. Had oh, totally. A, a missing cog of their machine would have been it would have been missing completely. That would have been awesome though. The, <laughs> for the who? Ad Age. <laughs> Everybody would have yeah, been reading Ad Age like crazy the week after. For sure, for sure. But thankfully, uh, I'd say one of our competitive advantages for exploration is we have twenty four seven support. Wow. And so. 
because there's a human on the other end, especially on weekends and holidays, we were able to sort it out. But that that could have been avoided, firstly, if our client had given us a, a heads up that, hey, we licensed this thing. And secondly, and the folks that had licensed it had known who they gotten the license from. Either one of those would have helped resolve it quicker. The ad agency didn't know they, they thought licensed? they got it from the record label. Ah, because they're just thinking because they didn't they know. Don't know. They don't know. If there's two That's sides. Right. That's right. So okay, and who was it that who was? You don't have to use the name of the publisher. So the person at the ad agency, let's say the music supervisor working on the commercial, had to reach out to the label to get the master recording. Had to reach out to the publisher to get the license to use the composition and the ad agency is basically clueless yeah we're good to go we got that music and it cost us x amount of dollars and they're looking at it as an all-in deal it cost us 150 grand to get that piece of music yay and then uh so how did this issue come up where you guys saw it before the, it aired because i'm well, because the ad agency had uploaded it on thursday night they uploaded it on Thursday night. The Super Bowl's on Sunday. They uploaded it on Thursday night. They wanted to get make sure all the pieces were just right. And nobody knows about this video before it, you know, the commercial on the Super Bowl. So it didn't matter that it was there. It was one part of this larger puzzle. And so it's there. And Content ID, the fingerprinting system, identified it as being our song. And so we claimed it and put an ad on it. And then all... Hell broke this. <laughs> oh, poo hit the fan. <laughs> I think my mom's watching, so I don't. I want to keep my. I want to. I don't want to. You know, keep it clean. Hey, mom. <laughs> you got a good kid. <laughs> Smart. Uh, okay. So. so I guess the moral of the story is: if you do a deal, if you license something, big or small, let those folks know that are going to be implicated. Let them know that you did a deal. Drop them an email. Hey, I did this. So they've got that information after the fact, and it'll um, it'll be a little bit. Everybody will um, will get on a little bit better. Just so you guys know, um, you should go to Aaron's site uh, exploration.io and look for this document, the YouTube guide for the music business. And I, I, I printed it out. I downloaded it. I printed it out. I believe it's a PDF, and printed it out. Um, and spent a good chunk of time reading it. This is really, really, really important stuff because, uh, you know, you have to take some ownership for, for your own destiny. And if you don't understand this stuff, you won't be smart enough or well-informed enough to ask your publisher, are you doing this on my behalf? And, and people are just so delighted to get any love at all from any publisher, including little publishers that can be very effective at getting music placed in a commercial that's going to be in a Super Bowl. It happens. Sure, all the time. But if if your publisher doesn't know this stuff, and if you don't know what's in this document, in order to poke your publisher and go, make sure that we have these bases covered, going all the way back to the correct entry of the metadata. That's right. Then you could potentially get shafted out of a big chunk of money. Tons. Three, $3 billion I saw in here somewhere. And has been know. paid. It's more than that now. It has been paid by YouTube to the industry, and it's uh, it's way up and to the right. Wow. When I say way up and to the right, I mean that like the graph is going mm -hmm. way up and to the right. Um, 
there's a ton of money. I think it's 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 in the 50, 60, 70 billion dollars a year gets spent on TV and radio um, through the the you know the ecosystem of TV and radio and the uh, it's up a hundred percent year over year coming over to YouTube. So it started at zero last year. It was a billion and a half, couple billion dollars, and it's up a hundred percent year over year and has been since they started it. So, so all that money in TV and radio for advertising is coming online. So is this why um, I still, when I look at Billboard and I see people coming on board as VP and senior VP and exec VP of this label or that publishing company, I'm going, how are they affording these big ticket guys uh, when these entities you would think would be decimated by what's gone on in the industry over the last 10 years or more? Um, they're quietly making big money on this stuff. Uh, well, you know, I mean, what what's big money, right? So that's a, that, that's a relative thing. For some of our clients, you know, when they signed on with us and we said, you know, hey, man, you've got 150 bucks coming a month from this title. You know, this is important stuff. I need you to get me, you know, you're missing all the, you're leaving all this money on the table. And they're like, 150 bucks, holy sh... You know, yeah. that, that's, that's real money, right? To a different artist, it's 150,000, right? So right. it's it's all relative. I'm um, talking to a big publisher, like speaking sure, of relative. It, it, you know, it is like, a non-trivial like, amount of money. It is a non-trivial. It, it is a lot of money. It is a ton of money. And when I said a minute ago, it's up and to the right. It's way up and to the right. So there's this sort of um, there's an inflection point. So CD sales and 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 downloads are going down, right? Streaming and you know, here, I'm going to draw a picture right here. How much time have we got, by the way? Plenty. We have a half okay. an hour. More than a half an hour. Okay, CD so sales going down. CD sales. <laughs> yep. So this is uh, this is streaming. Hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a... Uh, yeah, they won't be able it. to read that, I don't think. No. Here, we're going to put it up like that. That's... That's streaming right there. Hold on, and let me roll a Chiron. <laughs> that's the CD sales right there. So CD sales, CD sales are going down, and streaming is going up. Um, I believe that we're sort of in here right now, so we haven't. Um, we're sort of in this general vicinity there, right? Is where I think we are. So we haven't quite reached that inflection point where where streaming is eclipsing. Um, the other, but there, it, it, it's on the way. I uh, kind of remember reading something, possibly over this past weekend while getting ready for the show, that I think the inflection point may have just been hit. just been reached. Okay, literally like last week. Okay, I could be wrong. It could be something else. I'm confusing with it, but I kind of remember thinking, "Wow, that's happened already." Right. So right. Made... The IFPI, the, I, the International Phonographic. It's French. I don't. Um, International <laughs> Phonographic <laughs> it's Organization. French. I don't know. I, I, I'm embarrassed that I don't know it. But they put out an annual report every year. Everybody should read it. I'm going to make sure I put that in here too. IFPI. It's very interesting. IFPI report. Um, and they have a lot of these statistics. One thing that is very, very interesting, and this speaks to this idea that, that streaming is exploding the way it is. And it's very important for everybody here, especially the Indies. Is that the market is so much bigger now, and mm -hmm. that advertising advertising supported networks are cri are a critical component to one's business. And I'll tell you why. 
in the before time, before there was an iPhone and YouTube and Spotify and these sorts of things, the only place one was really selling music is in the record store, mm-hmm. right? That has a, had a captive audience of around 300, 400 million people. The United States, Western Europe, Asia Pacific, Japan, New Zealand, Australia, okay? Which is where people were selling music and one was able to, to recoup. I mean, they're selling it elsewhere, but you're not getting the money out. Now, there's these places that, that it's an interesting correlation to credit card penetration that the low credit card penetration, low places of low credit card penetration are exploding. So, India, Africa, South America, where folks don't have credit cards and aren't able to swipe to buy something, are consuming media on networks. On this. On that. But how do they. That's my phone. How do they get that without a credit card to do their monthly billing? Well, interesting with low. Well, they're they're pay, they're pay, they're they're doing a prepaid or or, or ah. what have you, or they're paying in cash down at the shop. Wow! But the ads, Coca Cola and Apple or or what have you, are paying for ads, and the ads are then paying the content the the, the content owners, the media producers. Interesting. Very interesting. So, all that to say, 15 years ago, you had a captive audience of a couple hundred million, 300, 400 million people worldwide that were able and willing to buy music. Now, it's in excess of three or four billion. And so, while the numbers might be smaller per capita, there's a much bigger pool. And those numbers, as I said before, of advertisers that are hip to the game to say, okay, this is a, a channel that I'm going to get a great return on investment in YouTube or what have you. All of those dollars that were over here are coming online. Who determines the rate at which a publisher and ultimately the composer get paid from YouTube? And uh, obviously the NMP, NMPA settlement. Um, Put a value on it. Yeah, and how do you, you know, they could renegotiate that value next week unless there is some, is it mandated by Congress? Is it no. an international standard? No. How is that deal done? Because how do they know that YouTube doesn't get so big that it says, um, to hell with you, you know, publishers and musicians, we're, we're going to squash that rate down to this tiny, tiny little number that's infinitesimally small because it's pretty small right now. I mean, everybody talks I, I, about I, I, how you know they, they they had something that streamed a million times. Got a buck twenty-five. A couple things. First, with regard to YouTube, I I, I do believe that they have uh, the creators' interest in in the top of their mind. The folks that we work with on a daily basis on the front lines are some of the smartest and well-intentioned people I've ever met, and I'm proud to be working with them. Um, good content means more viewers, so it's in their best interest. Even if they weren't inclined to be that's right. People. That's right. It's in their best interest to make it to make it easy for us. The, the second thing is is as I said before, all of this money that was on TV and radio is coming online is not an overnight process, mm-hmm. right? And there's a lot of folks on Madison Avenue that are finally starting to get hip to the game to say, okay. Yeah, you're right. We're getting return on investment through a YouTube, through a Spotify or a Pandora or what have you. The interesting thing is, and you know, who determines the rate, right? This yeah. is like, how much do we get? Right. The demand. And do I get the same rate you get? Is it a fixed rate across the no, board? No, no. Is it everybody gets to negotiate their own? It, it, it Demand determines the rate. 
Okay. Okay. So that if means anybody it's only going up, well, that's right. In theory. That's right. <laughs> so so if how to explain it? Okay. So um, is, I don't if know, anybody must be doing pretty good. <laughs> I understood that much. Okay. So it, um, Google sells ad, Google owns YouTube, by the way. Yes, they do. Google sells advertising based on an auction, mm-hmm. right? And so this I, is a, their ad, Google AdWords paper. Right. Like when you, you see the little ads at the top of the page when you search, that's that's the right. Or if you see an ad on YouTube, it, that is an auction as well. So if we sell ties, right? Mm-hmm. And I say, you know, I want my I want my advertisement for my special Paisley tie to be on this. Uh, you know, when someone searches uh, Paisley tie, I want my ad to show up. And I'm going to say, I'm going to spend a dollar for every every time somebody clicks through. And you get on there and you're like, you know what? I'll pay a dollar fifty. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't pay two bucks. Two fifty. I don't want to go higher than two fifty. So now the mark is two fifty, right? And everybody else is below you. Everybody else is below you, okay? Now, so that was just for how to tie ties, right? And so Google is then going to place that ad on videos that may be about ties, right? And they're going to place that before it. Now let's go over to music. I have, I still have got my, uh, let's say Coco, or let's say here we got uh, Crystal Geyser. Right? Crystal Geyser wants to buy ads and put it on YouTube on premium content, good music, right? And they say, okay, we want to have a, we want to be, uh, we'll pay a dollar to be before a video. When someone clicks through, we're going to give, we're going to, we're going to, uh, we're going to pay a dollar. Now, do- just to be seen on that video on the bottom where we all hit close ad or only when somebody clicks it on depends the on the ad some of them are, are it depends on what type of ad crystal guys are bought okay so, it so could be they're an just exposure, it, it an could exposure, be an exposure they're just looking for branding it's either pay-per-click or branding that's right so okay. we want impressions or we want clicks and that depends on what they bought but if I am the content creator or I own the media, I own that copyright, and Crystal Geyser spent a dollar, Google is going to split that with me, you know, at, at their particular rate. And that varies to some degree based on partner. Mm-hmm. Some of the bigger guys have a little bit better deal. Um, they're they're going to split that with me. Now, if Red Bull comes in and says, hey, I want to be on that video, I'm going to pay $2.00. Well, now suddenly my royalty just doubled mm-hmm. because the advertisers in demand, the demand went up. So if it's Adele's hit song, it could be 30, you know, it could be 30 bucks per thousand views, right? On the publishing side. If it's how to tie a tie video on YouTube, it could be 50 cents. Right. It depends on the demand. It also depends on the territory. Because in the United States, this is sort of the epicenter, because in the United States, advertisers are more hip to the game, they're spending more money. So an ad, uh, uh, to be in front of a video in the United States between 9 a.m. Eastern and 5 p.m. Pacific is going to get you more money than if you're on at 3 a.m. in Mumbai. I've noticed we do a thing when we buy ads on um Google AdWords, uh, we've done day parting, which is we'll notice little pockets of time where cities and other parts of the world are waking up. That's right. And we'll get an hour where we get a lot of clicks if our ad is visible to people. That's right. So we day part and make sure that in Mumbai, 
from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. that our ads are very visible. That's right. And then the rest of the day we don't care because they're out tending cattle or whatever. They're doing. <laughs> well, I think they do more than that in Mumbai, but, but, yeah, but, but yeah, for sure. Figuratively, but sure. yeah, when they're first getting up in the morning, they go online like many of us do and check their phones, check right. whatever, and then they go off to do whatever That's they right. do for the rest but, of the day. But because all of those advertisers that are generate, that are actually the source of the royalty aren't quite as hip to the game in Bangladesh as they might be in the United States, there's not as much of a pool there to be had. Wow. But it's all going up and to the right. <laughs> it's a complicated world. I, I, like, an, to, I like to think, you know, it, it's interesting. I'm sorry to cut you off. Well, I just spent an inordinate amount of time educating myself about this stuff. And sure. once you, you think you understand it, a week later the ball has been moved. Well, in, I, in a good way, it's moving forward. Sure, sure. I, I think that um, you know, I, I like to I, I like to sort of compare it to um, to New York City. That New York City and the subway system in New York City would be if you just landed, you know, in Central Park and were like, you know, you need to navigate this place and, and navigate, you know, or, or had to navigate uh, Times Square subway, you know, one of the one of the subway stations in Times Square. It it would be really overwhelming. But with a map, it makes it really easy. And so the music business, especially the publishing business, I'd like to say it's not complicated if you've got a map and you've got a, 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 some explanations of here is how this piece relates to that piece. Here's why your publishing metadata is important. A lot of this can be found in this guide right here. It's just, a, it's really straightforward. There's no, it, we're, there's no, drama in it. I'm not taking sides with anybody. I'm just stating the facts of here is how it works right now. And I, and I think that uh, the feedback that we've gotten is that it, it really sort of illuminates some of these things that can be challenging um, or that, that seem complicated on, on the surface. But once you've got that map, it can be it can actually add some value. Uh, one of the things that I thought was really good and you actually, I don't think, made a big enough deal about it, but you've got a glossary of terms in here that right. um, a lot of people don't know. Functions of content ID. Well, I, you know, I understood the concept of what content, I, I don't think I ever knew the name, and I'm fairly well educated, but then it goes into audio and video matching, suggested claims, claim disputes, rights management, um, YouTube ownership conflicts. So all this stuff is explained in this document. Sure. And I think everybody needs to know this stuff. So I'm, I'm glad. Oh, and then you have a thing in here, connecting AdSense. Uh, I've got a friend who is, I, I would say, genius level um, pay-per-click, uh, a Google AdWords pay-per-click guy. Uh, I know where this is going. Go on. Uh, and one day I said to him, you know, you should be taking advantage of AdSense. Um, there's some content that you could be getting paid for. And he didn't know what AdSense was because right. he was so, um, what do you call it when you're, you know, you look at just, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just looking at his little corner of the world. He's just looking at his box. Sure. And there's this other related thing where he could be generating money but didn't even know. Sure. So so for folks that uh, that aren't aware, AdWords is the product that Google sells advertising. AdSense is the product that they apply that same advertising to the videos. Or, or if you had a blog and you wanted to display, you know, ads on your blog that were sold by Google, you would use AdSense to then do that and then ultimately get paid. 
Um, one of the things on here is a multi-channel network, an MCN. Mm. This is a term that five years ago nobody knew, I don't think. Uh, and, and you guys see listings from Taxi where we are now get running listings for shows that are only available on YouTube. And YouTube has gone out and invested millions of dollars and partnered with producers of shows. Um, one of the ones that we work with is a dance-related show. Um, not quite Dancing with the Stars, but they this entity has uh, a channel, several channels uh, of dance-related content. And they need music for that. And it's not like licensing to a traditional TV show, um, but they still need music. That's right. And they come to us to find it. A lot of the libraries that I know of don't even understand the whole MCN multi-channel network thing. Right. If right, they so did, they'd be picking up the phone trying to license it. Sure, sure. So, I mean, multi-channel network, for what it's worth, is, is sort of a, another layer between YouTube, oftentimes between YouTube and creators. And so they, they provide tools and some resources to um, to make it easy for creators and for you know folks that have music and stuff to come together and then also some analytics tools that each of them provide different services maybe even studio space um, to creators to, to create and then they take a small commission um, maker studios was the big one and then they sold themselves to uh, to Disney a few years ago um, I didn't know until recently, but YouTube actually has creator studios all over the country. Oh, and, my goodness. Yeah. So, okay, so, so, so <laughs> I'm excited about this. I, I got them all I, 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 So two things. One is the Creator Academy. I'm, I'm writing a list so that I can make sure this is in the handout that we give out after the show. Creator Academy and then the YouTube space. So in Los Angeles, typically on Friday, you can go. It's free. Uh, you can sign up for free. You can put in your email. Um, and they're going to get, they're going to get, they're going to send out little pings about different events and things that's going on. But in a nutshell, world class, some of the nicest studios that exist, state of the art, everything, red cameras, green screens, drones, <laughs> the whole. I'm, I'm not kidding. The whole thing, it's free. Yeah, it's 100% free. You're, they, they ask you to publish on YouTube. You're not obligated to. They don't own anything. It's all free. You have to have certain thresholds of subscribers in order to unlock the space, as it were. And it's not uh, as high as you might think. I remember somebody mm -mm. told me a number the other day. I don't remember it now. No, I think the LA now is 10,000. Yeah. Uh, in New York, I believe it's five. But in there's some other, you know, they've got, I think they've got one in Sao Paulo and in, uh, in Berlin and Tokyo. They've got these YouTube spaces. And you can go, they've got sound stages. They've got everything. They've got everything. Um, and so you can use that for free. Uh, and then they've also got, for folks that are looking for work or they're looking to engineer or they're looking for an engineer or somebody to film their next thing, all of these f places have incredible job boards and everybody's collaborating and most of it is volunteer work where they people just want to collaborate and, and wow. work together. So I really encourage folks to go over there. They oftentimes have happy hours and stuff like that on Fridays. Um, and then the other one is the Creator Academy, which is their online school it's 100% free, and you can learn a lot about it. There's some intricacies, and there's some nuance yeah. to this thing that can really make a difference. I, I was completely unaware until, I don't know, a month ago maybe, that a lot of the people you watch on YouTube are actually making more money by, for instance, there's a guy that I love. I've mentioned him on the show before. His name is Casey Neistat, and he's got six, almost seven million subscribers, I think. Um, 
typically when he publishes a video, which is typically once a day, um, uh, he puts a vlog out there and he gets a million and a half to two and a half million. Sometimes he'll get up to 20 or 30 million views on something. But one of the ways he monetizes that is in the info section underneath the video. So many people want to be like Casey Neistat, that they want to know what kind of camera does he use? What kind of That's lens right. does he use? What kind of microphone does he use? He makes a peanut on, the, on that, on that yeah. when they buy. Yeah. Right. So, every, so he sets up an Amazon um, affiliate store and he puts a bitly uh, a list of like 20 different things underneath his video. So if you want to go get the same camera, the same lens, the same microphone, the same... Uh, uh, whatever you call it, thing that the camera rests on. Uh, tripod? Tripod, thank you. Uh, I was thinking of the one that looks like an octopus. Uh, <laughs> can't think of the name. But anyway, any of that stuff, you click on that bit.ly, and if you end up buying um, through his affiliate link, then he makes a spiff on that from Amazon. Well, when you've got 6 million, 7 million followers, and you got to figure that even one-tenth of 1%, so 1% of 7 million would be see ten percent yeah seven thousand people so seven hundred people at one tenth of one percent seven hundred people buy something in a he's given month yeah he's gonna yeah. make some money yeah he's gonna make money sure and it's sure. not just about monetizing through the AdSense network uh, anyway it's a fascinating world out there but we are focused on you and you getting paid for your music. Uh, any other questions that you want to throw at Aaron? Yeah, let's, let's, maybe we have a little q and I've seen a few things scrolling through. We've been sort of riffing for a little while, but I don't know. How do we, let's see how we go. Um, do we yeah. want to go up? Do you, um, uh, they'll start coming in. There's like a 20, 30 second delay. You'll start to start. There you go. Question from Gloria Covington. Can you get paid if your home studio recorded music is on SoundCloud or YouTube? Is home studio music considered not commercially produced? How do you get your ISRC if it's home studio recorded music? So great she, question. she is her own publisher at this great, point. Great question. Great question. Um, YouTube and SoundCloud uh, both neither discriminate based on the quality if it's commercially produced or at home. And I mean, with a lot of the equipment that exists today, who knows the difference between those two? So, um, yes, you can absolutely get paid if, it, if you recorded it at home. And then... Uh, you know, how is home studio considered not commercially? Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, how do you get your ISRC if it's home studio recorded? So you would need to um, you would need to uh, distribute that somewhere. So either through one of the digital distributors that we talked about, um, or a company like ours to help you do that. And maybe we'll do. You know, how do we? Let me write that question. How do you get an ISRC if you don't have a distributor? If you're doing it yourself. Um, and I guess the follow-up to that to you would be, how are you currently distributing your music? So if you, if, uh, how to get, to get, uh, how to get ISRC if not distributed. Okay. By the way, if something doesn't get answered or if you have additional questions after the broadcast, feel free to give me an email, uh, drop me a line at hello at exploration.io, hello at exploration.io, and I will read every one of them. Um, let's see, where are, there are many people making money with YouTube, Martin Frog says, Martini Frog says yes. <laughs> uh, oh, I always thought it was Martin J. Frog. It is oh, Martin it is. J. Frog. It's like Martini Frog. <laughs> yeah, it is really. 
Uh, question. <laughs> is it advisable to have metadata in the MP3 we submit to Taxi? Not necessarily. I, that's a question for... I, I would say yes. all the time. Yes. yes. Um, because it just makes it that much easier for, even in the case of us forwarding it to a production music library, we, just so you know, Taxi inserts metadata on everything we send out so that they know... It, at the worst that it came from us and they can call us up and say that's right where did this come from but we put your name your first name your last name your song title um your phone number and your email address in there sometimes if a music supervisor wants something for a film and they'll ask us to include the splits the publishing splits we may call you up and ask you what the splits are um so nothing leaves here without that stuff in there but yeah make it easy on us by putting it in there yeah absolutely Duh. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Covington, she's asked, he, she, per, uh, Gloria, can you Gloria, use Reverb Nation? Yeah, absolutely. I think Reverb Nation offer is, is helping with digital distribution. And yes, they should be able to provide, uh, an ISRC. I believe that's correct. Here's question, question. I'm in Canada. So can, do I need an HFA code? Absolutely. If you're collecting any royalties in the United States. Uh, mechanical royalties. Where does the metadata get placed on a music file? I mean, how do we enter it? Um, yeah. I know how we ask people to enter it for the purpose of what we do in music libraries. I'm curious to see if it's the same as what you guys do. You would go uh, to iTunes, go into that song's Get Info section, and that's where you would enter it. You, you, you can, y yes. Um, the way that it should, we advise to store it is you've got two, you've got a, a, a folder on your desktop. Inside that folder are two folders. One is has the actual media, which has song title dot wave or flack or MP3 or whatever, however it's stored. And the second folder is a uh, is an, a CSV, which is an Excel file, and it's got and it's got the rest of your metadata with the correct path. It's got a it's got a path that says okay. This folder, I, I'm going to put it in the, we're, we're going to send out a little cheat sheet with all this information. But basically in that, in that um, spreadsheet will be, will be able to tell a computer where that actual audio sits in the other folder. Okay. And basically it's just going to say the way you write that in, in, in computer language is dot dot slash then the name of the file. So it yeah. tells the computer it's in that folder and look for this file, song title.mp3 or, or whatever so it is. that would be in one of the columns. Of that the would be in one of the cells on the spreadsheet that says, okay, this title, is. It, we're going to look in this folder to find this title, and when there's a match, we're going to apply this associated metadata. Wow. So let me make that on the... Uh, oh, uh, somebody's mentioning Composer Catalog, which, by the way, uh, I want you to know if Keith is watching the show, um, I mentioned this to Aaron the other day, that um, one of our members, uh, who's one of the most lovely people you, you could ever want to meet, uh, Keith LeBrant, developed a thing called Composer Catalog that allows yes. you... To, I, looked so, at, I looked at his stuff, yeah. So I've got to believe there's a way for you two guys to work together because... I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've spent... It, it, I, I wish I had a nickel for every hour that I'd spent thinking about just that problem. So uh, we call it Exploration Data. We started to create our catalog management software about two years ago, yeah. and we built it, and it worked, and it was just right. It did exactly what we wanted it to do for YouTube, 
And we thought that, gosh, if we've got this problem, probably so do a lot of other people. Let's open source it. Let's make it available for free. But we did a fundamental flaw in the way we created it. In the 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 ownership in YouTube is unique to YouTube, and it's not right, right? The ownership. No, I didn't. Okay. It, 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 okay. So so basically, let's say uh, let's say you have a title. Okay. And, and you've got a song that you wrote and you performed, or, or let's say you wrote it, right? And you've called me up and said, Aaron, I want you to handle this for me on YouTube. In YouTube's ecosystem, and it's working through my my account, right? I'm okay. managing it, administering it on your behalf. If you went in YouTube and looked, it would say Exploration is the owner of that song. Ah. That's not right. Right. We're just the administrator. Right? Got it. We put an ownership claim on that song, but that's not right. That is, we are actually just the administrator, and so administrator. Right. So, so in our aspirations to cr- make the software right, we need to go back to the drawing board, and we need to start and to fundamentally make it such that the core ownership of a song was intact, and then one was able to apply ownership for a variety of these networks. So, on YouTube, it maybe it's exploration. On for performance in the United States, it's ASCAP. Wow. For sub publishing in Japan, it's Sony ATV or whatever it is. So we went back to the drawing board to create that. And uh, unfortunately, it's not ready today. We're getting close, but uh, it should be it should be um, available in short order. In the meantime, um, I understand the, the, the software, and I checked out the site. It looks really cool. Um, and if you're out there, Keith. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to have a chat, and so maybe we have to follow up there. But um, that goes to what I was saying very early in the show, which is there's a lot to remember, a lot to understand, a lot to know. It's not as simple as I wrote a really cool tune. That's right. And I think the 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 patch or the hack, if you will, Mm -hmm. to get from today until you have it in a piece of software, all of your metadata and all of your files in some software, is to is to log into Google Sheets, Microsoft Excel, and put together a CSV file of your metadata. And then most anybody out there, Music Reports, Harry Fox, these various places, you're going to be able to deliver to them a CSV. You might have to manipulate it, rename a column title to be F underscore name instead of first underscore name mm-hmm. for whatever their particular language is. But if you've got that CSV tidy, wrapped up with a bow, you're going to be able to get paid. Wow. And most people don't have that. Yeah. Uh, we had this conversation on the phone the other day. I, I know a legendary hit songwriter that uh, said to me, I've got an attic full of stuff that was demoed that was never even handed off to my publisher, never made it to the record label. This gentleman is an iconic songwriter. And he has no form, not even a, like Prolific. a... Yeah, not yeah. even you know a, a spiral-bound notebook with anything. Yeah, and, and and by the way, for anybody that's just starting out and like, oh my, my head is this is too much. The most experienced, to your point, the most experienced, the most prolific songwriters and publishers that exist are facing the same problem, mm-hmm. and they're in in. Frankly, sometimes they're not as good as some of the, the 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 newer folks that are a little bit more nimble and are a little bit more hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and grew up with tech, right? That's right. Yeah. All right. A couple more questions. We've got seven minutes left. 
We must have answered everything. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> right away. I'll see if I've got anything left on my magic sheet. So I, my homework is to. I've got a. I've got a. Uh, a music. Oh, what'd you go? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the no. most important. I don't know that we talked about this. How do you guys get paid? Oh, we take a commission. We charge. We charge twenty percent commission. Okay, so you don't yeah. have to write them a check for like two thousand dollars. No, we take. We're a hundred percent commission, and all of what I've talked about is part of the deal. All right. Sorry I interrupted you. No, no, that's all right. So I was just sort of reciting my homework. So I need to put together um, the the minimum MV, the minimum viable data, uh, minimum viable data for the ISWC, the ISRC, the catalog template, template. I need to give the IFPI report. I got some info on the YouTube space, the Creator Academy. So I have a question. This is going to be fairly complex, so listen up and please forgive the complexity of it, but it's important. Uh, I put my music in a production music library, and that library has, let's say, 5,000 pieces of music. And they do a blanket deal with a reality show on MTV, let's say. And for that, uh, five, those 5,000 pieces of music, the reality show pays $3,500 for a season, all they can eat. So now my music is in that catalog and it's going to get placed by the music supervisors and editors in these reality shows um, on an all-you-can-eat basis. Some companies will actually, well they cue sheet the music certainly so everybody knows that this cue got used for 13 seconds, this one got used for 4.3, all that kind of stuff. What how does that affect what you guys do when the publisher oh i left out an important aspect of this um does this work when the reality show goes on netflix or hulu or is it only youtube that you guys are able to administer and collect the money for the publisher for that usage and does the fact that it's in a um uh, what do you call it? I, I'm drawing a blank on the word. The reality show? Well, no, not the reality show. The in blanket deal. Okay, so does okay, that affect uh, your ability to collect and get these guys paid? Sure, sure, it does. It's, so there's a couple distinctions that need to be made. The, the first thing is, is YouTube and to a much much lesser degree SoundCloud are unique animals in that user generated content is allowed. You and I are never going to film our our recording about my car that we're talking about and we're riffing on rims and tires and all that sort of thing it's never going to end up on Netflix right never going to be on 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 uh, our our cover of blue suede shoes is never going to be on Spotify boy is that the truth <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's never it's never going to be on these places because those are reserved for masters and things that have been professionally really produced people. right yeah. YouTube, on the other hand, is different. Yeah. Anybody can upload totally anything. Totally democratized. It, it, right. It can be anybody can upload anything. So that's the first thing is that when it ends up on other networks, typically 
uh, an administrator like ours that is doing the stuff that we're doing typically isn't going to interface with it as much. Okay. That's the first thing. Um, that your, your distributor of the master is going to handle that. And then one of those uh, big companies like Harry Fox or Music Reports is going to administer via a, a, a notice of intent, an NOI, if you've ever gotten an NOI, um, which is a statutory law that says that one has to make available their composition. Okay. And they pay based on a particular rate and so on and so forth. They're the ones that are going to administer publishing, and then the digital distributor is going to administer the master recording. Okay, so let, we'll kind of push that to the side. The other one, the other part is okay, so your production library, you got 150 songs. You did a blanket deal with the reality TV show, and they've gotten all you can eat, and they did it for 3500 bucks. Mm -hmm. To the point we were saying earlier about licensing, typically and nowadays, you will have done that license to include everything. And so after they paid that fee, they're not paying anymore. And you're not going to be able to claim that uh, when it ends up on YouTube. Got it. That's what it's not, about and, and, and now it's theirs. And they are going to do with it what they want. And they're going to push it to YouTube. And they're going to put it over here on a commercial. And they're going to use it for canned ads. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to chop it up and use it for their ads to market the show. It's, once they've licensed it, typically nowadays, they've licensed everything. Now, that's a good point. If you can negotiate out your streaming or your YouTube or your whatever out of that deal, terrific. That gives you an opportunity to monetize it again. Well, getting the, having the leverage and the ability right. to do that would be practically nil unless you were the most desirable composer on the planet number one or a library whose music was so good that you could negotiate that kind of deal with well, I, I, maybe so but you don't know until you ask right and so you know, if, if you're sitting there at the table and they say okay what you know how does this look and you're looking over the contract and it says you know everything in the known and unknown universe yeah say, hey, except YouTube can we put it except YouTube in there look you don't know until you ask that's true, right? And and I and I encourage it that you that you go for um, I, the, the, you know, don't accept the status quo and try and look for something different. There know? are a lot of people you could sneak that by. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, not that I'm recommending you do anything unethical, no, but no, there no, are no, people no. that you would say, oh yeah, but let's leave YouTube out of that. That just wouldn't understand the complexity of all this and go. That's right. Okay. And I think that applies to any rights. Is that if you can, if you can, if there's a way that you might be able to retain any of your rights in whatever capacity. I mean, look, the most famous one of all is George Lucas in wanting to keep the rights to, to, uh, to the yeah. uh, what was the the, um, the characters, the the paraphernalia yeah. and all the memorabilia. Yeah, uh, that he kept that for for. For Star Wars, and the studio was like, "Sure, what do, what do we care about? Yeah, we make movies. movies. Yeah, we well, why would we want that? And it's like, my God, I mean, that's the most famous one of all. Yeah, you know. And here I sit with my iCarly sound effects generator, and I'll bet you that George Lucas has a piece. Of that. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm all sure. right. Anything else? Let's see. Oh yeah, I should remind you guys once again because I promised my staff I would do this. Subscribe to our channel if you made it this far. We're not charging you for this quality content where you learn so much. Subscribe. The button's in the lower right-hand corner of the screen. And click the like button because when you like us, YouTube likes us.
Um, all right, so Aaron is going to post all this stuff again. Uh, go to his website to get it, okay? And will you give me a copy? I'm going to give you all this stuff. And then I you can, and well, then... I don't know if I can put it up on our forum um, as a PDF. Probably. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll give you all this jazz, or if they, you know, or if we, all right. But you can also go to exploration.io and and you'll have it there. You can see, you can see, you send an email hello at exploration.io. Um, and, and you can send me, and it's going to come directly to me. Um, you can visit our website at exploration.io. What does the uh, IO stand for? Actually, most uh, domain suffixes are geographically centric, yeah. and IO is the Indian Ocean. But a lot of data companies use it because data in, data out, right. ones and zeros, and because they're expensive. They're 100 bucks as opposed to like 7 bucks for a .com, so a lot of the good names are still left. Interesting. Well, I got but ta that, um, taxi dot com. I saw that. 19, I was like, "How did he? How does he?" I, get I bought it in nineteen. I want to say ninety four or ninety five. Cheapers. Yeah. How many? What's the highest offer you've gotten? For? I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, uh, no, to to the to the domain suffix. Yeah. Uh, Bitly got in trouble when the when the war broke out in Libya. Oh, because L Y. Oh. <laughs> because they're like internet got cut off wow <laughs> never thought about that yeah well with that let us wrap it up thank you so much for having me thank you for being here really appreciate and, and, and thank you for explaining something so complicated yet so important that everybody should know this talk to your publishers drive your publishers crazy they're all going to be calling me what the hell have you done <laughs> and don't forget oh Killing the band for, well, killing the music. Um, don't forget, next week, I'm going to do something that I hope will be fun because I've never done anything like it. Uh, viewer mail or mail time. Uh, I want you guys to send actual packages, no digital stuff. Send actual packages that I can rip open and hold up a t-shirt or, you know, if there's a CD in there, I might just slip it in. My favorite little CD player because I haven't, so, I don't even, I, didn't, I haven't think, seen one of those in a long time. Well, you don't see a slot in the side of my computer. I, I don't. Do you? I and don't. my last computer <laughs> had a slot, but it didn't work with the damn. So I've had this little dude sitting over here forever. So we will open stuff up next week and have a lot of fun doing that. And uh, that's it. Without any further ado, we bid you goodbye from Taxi World Headquarters. Thanks, Aaron Davis. Be well. Bye, you guys.